Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> everyone and welcome for another week to the Shannon Rollison podcast. My name is Robbie Cox. I'm your host and obviously the host of also Off The Block Swimming podcast and joined once again by the star of this show and this podcast, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, Robbie. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, um, I noticed that today is episode 16. Did you think we'd get this far? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, just, I just looked at it today and I've written down the notes and stuff. And I thought, Episode 16. Geez, that's, that's gone quick. But um, I didn't even think it's been that many, mate. So that, that just goes to show what fun we're having on here. Yeah. I thought, I said to Elspeth, I said, ah, oh, look, we might get to 12 tops. <laughs> Well, mate, we're at 16 and we've got a few more planned, which I'll mention at the end of this podcast um, today, but we've, we've definitely, uh, I've done my homework, as I mentioned to the listeners, I think if they listen back to the Rowan Taylor one uh, from two weeks ago, um, I did say that we'd been a bit slack on the planning and we have since rectified that and uh, yeah, we've got a fair few in the in the works planned ahead now, which I'm excited to, I'll let people know at the end of this uh, podcast, but yeah. Um, Mate, I, I, we've got to start off because we've had a couple of weeks now without an update. How's the lawn been? Because, and the only reason I more ask this for all the listeners out there who are from overseas who might not be familiar with our weather, but we uh, are not long gone from just having, what, two or three weeks of just torrential rain, mm. uh, which flooded my area and many areas around um, northern New South Wales and, and up into Brisbane and, and on the Gold Coast as well. Um, what happened down in Canberra? Because we didn't really touch on that. I never really asked. Was was there much damage down there? And how did the grass hold up? No one asks about poor old Canberra. <laughs> I just think it's full of politicians. Did you say poor old Canberra? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we've had a bit of rain. We've had good rain. Um, you know, all the dams are full. And years ago when they extended the big one, uh, people said, ah, you're wasting your money, you know. Well, it's, I think it's the second time it's filled in 10 years. So, um, But, yeah, we've had a, a wet and actually quite humid summer, which is unusual for Canberra. It's normally, um, you know, it's certainly not a humid place. Um, but uh, we've had a couple of big storms, really, um, with wind and hail and stuff. And uh, so there has been a bit of damage over the summer. Um, 
And uh, fortunately, we've been okay here. Um, we, we had a little bit of house damage. I think I might have mentioned it, with the roof just filling up, the gutters filling up with hail and mm. just nowhere to go with water. So we had to get that repaired a few weeks ago. But um, r- rain-wise and um, our water bill is looking pretty good because <laughs> we've had enough rain that, uh, and I was dreading it, you know, when I killed it all last August. <laughs> oh, this is really bad. But uh, it's been pretty good. And um, I actually took a photo the other day, so I might send it through to you. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to put it up on the socials. Um, definitely the wind uh, down in Canberra can be bad. One of my worst flights ever was flying yeah. into Canberra. Yeah. When I say worst flights, like I was out of my seat at one stage. Like yeah. the, there was just the turbulence and I even heard one of the flight attendants be like, oh, this is one of the worst I've been on in a while. And I thought, well, if they're saying that, this must be pretty bad because yeah. they fly, you know, so many times a day. So, yeah, the wind and the weather can be um, can be funny down there, can't it? Yeah, well, a few people have said that about landing in Canberra. You get some strong crosswinds. It always gets windy of an afternoon. Um yeah, you know, riding, it's generally pretty good of a morning. But mm. um, the other thing about Canberra is, like, the wind just follows you. You know, like, it's just like a circle, you know. Like, you'd be on your bike and, you, and you're doing a big loop and you just feel like you're riding into the wind all the time. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> I suppose we're six, 700 metres above sea level, so just gets a bit windier the higher yeah that, that could be what it is but yeah no i don't fly to canberra anymore i drive down i mean it's a little bit easier for me now living here since so it's not that bad, bad of a drive but um yeah no since then i've, I've bad memories i was so sick after that I've, I've never been that sick from a flight ever it was it was shocking um now the other update that we haven't had in a while is just a squad update mate how's your squad tracking and and traveling there's been obviously toing and throwing with dates and changes and we sort of touched on it with rowan didn't we about you know uh, would you say climb back up the mountain for Mm. a little bit um how's the squad been been traveling yeah pretty good um the uh we got a full week this week so i gave a monday off after the New South Wales Open. So, you know, hopefully the next three, four weeks, no interruptions, and uh, we can get a good block of work in. Um, we did an anaerobic, what I would call an anaerobic capacity set um, on Monday night. We went 250s and then swam off 400, four ones. Um, um, and we did that through four times, mm-hmm. yeah, four times. Um, and uh, the two fifties were on a minute thirty, so you know, plenty of speed in it and stuff. And after the first round, I had to uh, hit pause and have a little coach chat to the squad about, you know, putting in a bit, bit better effort. You know, and basically, I said to them, um, you know, they, they were treating it. The fifties, like we were doing eight or ten in a row. Yeah, and um, you know the times that they did in those first round were what they could do if they were doing ten in a row. Yeah, and I said, if you're a little bit afraid of this afternoon session, don't turn up Wednesday because you're doing twelve <laughs> in a row. <laughs> so, um, and uh, anyway, from. From that on, you know, they they really put the foot down and, and treated it how 
it needed to be treated, which is, you know, pretty much attack. Yeah. You know, basically getting a minute's rest in between and then swimming off four ones nice and light and then having another couple of minutes and then getting up doing round two and three. So, um, uh, but having said that, the rest of all the stuff's been pretty good, you know. Um, pretty interesting uh, the way I've approached kick this season. Um, different, totally different to what I've done in the past. And and it's sort of been a bugbearer of mine um, with, with this particular group, the fact that they just couldn't kick, you know. Um, and I've seen a really big shift. Uh, in their kicking, uh, and you know, <laughs> I think the guys thought this would last, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. But I've just, con- I've just, it has been the one common denominator um, throughout the whole season. And, and I think I mentioned it to you. You know, we get to the end of the session, and then we just kick, mm. and they get out. And if they're a slow kicker, they get out after the faster kickers. And they can just kick at any any pace they want as long as they're, you know, not taking all, all day. But um, we've just been doing a K kick at the end of training. And um, I haven't done it too too often, but I've, I've done it enough um, where we're just throwing 100 backs here and there. Um, and we've probably done, you know, only five or six for the season so far. Um, but... My God, they've absolutely kicked it out of the ballpark mm. um, and starting to do some respectable kick times. So really happy with that. Um, you did say that. I remember I came down and um, visited you uh, last year uh, for for Friday and a Saturday morning session, and um, you did mention that to me, that, that that was something that you wanted to look at in the new season. You wanted to make sure you got right on top of the kick. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like people uh, who are kicking like 129, 130 for a flat-out effort are now, you know, approaching 120. You know, they're in that 122 area. I've got some under 120. Um, breaststroke girl who was like a 135, 136 kicker. She's now 128. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. So that's probably the something I've, like I said, just, yeah, normally you're doing kick sets and you're doing a cycle or different things and you're mixing it up and trying to make it interesting. And I've just gone, nah, it's either 800 kick, 1,000 kick. Last Thursday we did 1,500 kick. Oh, damn. Yeah, that raised a few eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> so been happy with that. But all in all, pretty good um, and looking forward to tapering them and stuff like that. Hey, what did you think of last night's um, uh chat with Stephen. Yeah, so as people listen to this one, it was last week, but if you um, yeah, are cluing into how Shannon just said that, we're actually doubling up here. And we uh, we spoke to Stephen Tigg um, at, I think it was 9.30 our time on Tuesday night, and now we're back up in the morning on Wednesday. But no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I've, never, I've never heard him speak. Obviously, I know of him, um, and I know of the work he's done with Duncan, and obviously... Uh, over there in Scotland, and, and he's obviously well respected. But I've never actually, you know, had the chance to sit down and and I, I get a unique um, position to sit here and just sort of observe for a while because you know you, you guys are so familiar. So um, just being able to listen to that was was brilliant. And then 
um, you know, his answer to, I think it was one of my last questions about, you know, what does he do well as a coach or what is he, what, you know, what is this areas he could work on or he sees that he could work on. And I thought his answer was, was brilliant. And I think um, a lot of coaches out there uh, will, will get a lot from that. What, what about yourself? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, you know, I was sort of prepared. It was about five questions I think I had for him. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was going in a direction that, you know, quite organic. And I had to try and come back to some of the questions. I think I even missed one in the end. Uh, and we went, you know, a bit longer than what we'd planned. I thought it was really, yeah, really fascinating and, and could have gone, you know, we could have gone a lot longer, um, which is always a good sign. Um, but uh, I thought it was, yeah, insightful, um, thinking outside the box. Um, I thought the story, you know, and the longevity he's had with Duncan, mm. uh, having coached some people for, a, you know, near on a decade, it, that's not an easy thing. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, well, he seems to, you know, and, and similar to you, and it's probably why you guys get along really well. Uh, he's got a thirst for knowledge. You can see if he's if he's been that long with one swimmer, he's constantly trying to, you know, look at the boundaries. He even said to you himself, even with his with his event schedules for Duncan, uh, they chop and change because you know he wants to keep it fresh and uh, he wants to you know keep that longevity in in always you know in in forefront of his mind so he's obviously a coach who you know looks at different things doesn't change his his core model but looks at ways to add into his toolbox as you would say and um i think yeah i i really enjoyed that so hopefully yeah the listeners get a lot out of that because ultimately um you know sometimes it's you you enjoy it too because you get to catch up with people you haven't spoken to for a while and and then it ends up being that sister you know like you go out for a coffee doesn't it really and we've just chucked a microphone in front of the both of you and and, and away you go um so i think people are getting a good good insight into that but yeah hopefully the listeners are, are you know getting some notes down and um i i thought it was it was absolutely brilliant mate the other thing we hadn't touched on <clears throat> part of me because i think you know with the rowan interview um you know the questions just never really led there and then obviously with um steve and tig he'd probably know who shane warren is but we just never really went there because it just seemed like a ma major departure <laughs> we're talking about duncan scott's you know olympic games in tokyo and then, hey what about uh shane warren passing it just doesn't really go together so we've held off but yeah the passing of of shane warren um a, a great australian uh, sporting icon, um, culture. I'm sure he's a cultural icon, really, as well. If you if you think about what he's been able to achieve, um, yeah, it, it was sad. I don't know if you, how you heard, but my wife woke me up at two a.m. Just slapped to me on the side. She, hey, Shane Shane wants dead. I said what? That it was just it was shocking, and I think that's why she sort of woke me up that way too. Um, how did you hear about it? And and you know, were, were you shocked like the rest of us? Yeah, no, um, well, the day before, I think it was the day before, Rod Marsh mm. uh, died at 74, a heart attack. Um, and so we're in, you know, we were in Sydney at the New South Wales Open yep. and um, I just woke up um, to my alarm and uh, turned that off and Barry Prime had sent me something and Barry does that and... Uh, yeah. um, and shout out to Barry, how are you? <laughs> and um, 
anyway, it was it was the same Warn news, you know. And I, I'm like, what? And I, I, I honestly, I didn't didn't believe it, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so I just clicked on the message, and that's all it was. It was a picture of him and the date. And uh, so I turned the news on, and I was like, whoa. So it was a bit of a shock. I mean, yeah. Um, if you had to name the top five Australian sports people, like he's in it, isn't he? Yeah. Right. Um, so, and, and it, whether you're a cricket fan or not a cricket fan, everyone knows who Shane Warne is. So, yeah, massive. So. Yeah, he, he he definitely transcended that, and um, and that's why I brought him up. I haven't brought him up to make people sad or some sort of a morbid, you know. Oh, someone passed away. It's not for that, but. Definitely, Shane Warne was uh, to me in a league of his own, um, in a in a small group of of people. You only have to watch. <clears throat> pardon me, I don't know if you saw. Um, they did like a vignette on all the different, you know, just photos of Warney playing and all that sort of stuff. But then they they put a, a a group of photos together of him with his friends. So obviously, a few of them were cricketers and some footy players. Obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, he was an AFL tragic and. Uh, until he was 18, I think he had his eyes on playing in the AFL, but then they they, they punted him down, <laughs> they flicked him. But um, then all of a sudden, there he is with Tiger Woods, and there he is with Michael Jordan, and there he is with Elton John. And you start to get a, a, a sense of, you know, who he was surrounding himself with. I'm sure him and Michael Jordan weren't best friends, but still, it, it was just a – it sort of put in perspective just sort of what sort of a – not just a character he was, but what a, a competitor he was. And that's what I wanted to bring it back to. Uh, you, you know, you're someone who's been coaching uh, at the top of his game for a long time. You've seen the best. You've seen the ones who want to be the best that don't quite get there. Do you see that sort of competitive nature, that Michael Jordan-esque, sometimes the Michael Phelps, the, you know, that sort of that 1% that just makes them so much different to ever like you go through the the history of you know, leg spin i'm sure there's a lot of other bowlers that bowl pretty well but you know no one really took it as personal as he did like he, there was a personal battle every time someone came out wasn't it and he would even commentate it through and the way he thought about things was brilliant but yeah it, you know did you sort of connect those dots between him and and other sort of you know major superstars in sport yeah, I listened to a uh, cricket commentator just talk about his self-belief and um, the, uh, you know, if the, if the team was down and even, you know, he said even if Shane was not particularly playing that well, he'd want the ball because he believed he could he could turn the game, you yeah. know. And... Um, yeah, you see that in coaches. Um, that's not to say that you don't have doubts. And Stephen talked about that last night a little bit. We've all we all have doubts, but um, you have a belief that it will all work out. Uh, and, and then there's athletes that are the same. You know, um, they could have had a bad preparation. But as long as they're behind the blocks, they'll they'll make something happen, you know. And you know, 
not all athletes are like that, obviously. Um, it's a, it's a, a few that uh, are like that. I've coached, I've been lucky enough to coach, ooh, a couple, you know, but, you know, there's certainly not a handful. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Jody was like that to some degree. Um, she never worried about what she missed um, or, you know, 2003 World Champs, she had a shoulder injury, she had earaches, she was going through, um, you know, some personal stuff as, as you know, that was, was supposed to go to the jewel in the pool, she didn't go because um, at that time everyone was worried about travelling to America with the 9-11 and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and so she was underdone at the World Champs that year and still performed, you know, and... Um, and that's um, – and you've got to be able to do that as well as a coach, you know. You can't be like, oh, well, such and such has missed X amount of things, or oh, well, yeah. then you can't, you know. Um, I always try to have the um, yeah, the eyes looking forward um, no matter what the preparation, and that's about being what I call a racer, a competitor, mm. and I often say – the only people you have to beat are the ones that think they can win, <laughs> you know, and not everyone in a final thinks they can win. Some people in the final, the Olympic final, World Championship final, Australian final, whatever it may be, are just happy to be in the final. Yeah. You don't have to beat them. So, um, and that's, you know, you say that to a lot of people, but not everyone believes that. But, you know, Shane Warne obviously had a, a deep self-belief in his ability, um, as as you mentioned, you know, Michael Jordan as well. Mate, absolutely. Um, yeah, he'll be <coughs> – pardon me. I don't know what's going on this morning. Coach, too, you know, too many two-ones this morning, mate. Um, yeah, no, definitely Shane Warne will be missed in that regard. And <coughs> obviously – Enjoyed himself a lot off the field, um, which is, you know, where a bit of his, um, you know, cultural icon comes from, doesn't it? Just he he worked hard, but he played hard as well. Um, and many people had many different opinions on Shane Warne. But one thing you cannot deny um, is just his success. And, and as we said, his undeniable uh, sort of drive to be the best at, at what he did. Uh, and he became that. Um, so, to, and as you said, to transcend sport, to to have to have Mick Jagger. I heard this the other day. Mick Jagger said, if he could be, if he could have lived anyone's life, he he would have wanted to live like Warney's life because he was a cricket tragic. So, um, so to have Mick Jagger, who I, I'm sure many people are saying they'd want to live Mick Jagger's life, uh, to to have him say that. Um, you know, he's transcended sport really there. But, yeah, as I said, it just shows the sort of group of people, he, you know, he put himself in, which was just a league of their own. So, yeah, sadly, Miss, he will be. And I'm sure everyone's got stories of Shane Warne and, and different times they watched uh, him uh, create history for swimming here uh, – for swimming, for cricket here in Australia. Now, we've got to move on, mate, to the title of today's podcast. Now, I'm sure when people read this – they thought that Shannon and Robbie have had a few too many drinks uh, and uh, and they've just come up with this on the spot. Well, the truth is comedians and coaches came about because um, 
it, me and you, as we do, we quite often before we click record or when we finish click record, we're having a chat and we're just having a chat about comedians because I think I'd watched a couple of specials or whatever it was and we we're just talking about it. And then you had mentioned that you'd started putting some, you know, different sort of papers together or making some notes or whatever it might have been. Don't want to make it sound too elaborate, like you've got a folder that you're about to produce, <laughs> but you're making some notes on similarities between comedians and, and, and coaches. And I thought, well, here you go. This is a, there's a podcast in this because uh, this is very different. Um, it's out of the box thinking, and I'm sure you're going to help us connect some dots here. But along the way as well, we're going to talk about obviously um, you know, some of our favourite comedians and we'll have a bit of uh, fun with it as well. If I can get some YouTube clips up, I'll do that as well. We'll have a bit of a laugh with it. So talk to me for starters. How did this, how did Shannon Rollinson's brain get to actually comedians and coaches? There's, there's a similarity there. Don't tell me because you think we're funny because, you know, I think some of us, we're not that great. <laughs> well, I think it's funny is that we're talking about it because I had, when I mentioned it, I had no idea you'd go, oh, this will be a good podcast. It's a great idea. I loved it. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, I watch a fair bit of Netflix um, and, uh, um, or, you know, and, and Seinfeld, you know, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, um, uh, Frasier, uh, and, uh, and, and British comedy, you know, I love British comedy and stuff. And I've never really thought about it um, at all until yeah. the other day um, I was watching um, and I've, I've watched a couple of interviews with Jerry Seinfeld um, and the, the one he did with Eddie Murphy in Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And I've watched all of those because it's, you know, car, I'm all, I'll confess I was watching it for the cars. <laughs> he does have some good cars. I'm not a car guy, but some of those caught my eye too. Well, he's worth $800 million. <sighs> So there's the first thing that's different between cars. <laughs> we, there's no similarity there. No, no. Um, but, um, yeah, I was listening to the two of them talk, and then, uh, as it does, YouTube spits up stuff, and um, there was an quite a long interview with himself and uh, Eddie Murphy and the path that they'd been on. And and so I just jotted down a few notes in, in what they were saying um, and ones that sort of resonated with me. Uh, the first one um, was, and, and Stephen T talked a, bit, a little bit about it last, last night when we were yeah. chatting to, comedians are self-critical. And I thought, oh, just coaches are. Um, you know, the, uh, yeah, we're, we're constantly evaluating um, what, what the session, how it went. Yeah. You know, um, what, was, what were we trying to attain um, and did that work? Um, and there's, and sometimes, you know, we can do that three or four times change the session before we even get there. <laughs> and uh, I learned very quickly to stop writing my sessions with pen and went <laughs> to pencil because I, I was, liquid paper was just killing, <laughs> killing everything. And um, so, yeah, so that was the first thing, um, being self-critical. And, um, and I'd never really thought about, you know, when you listen to Jerry Seinfeld talk, 
you know, about, um, you know, the way he approaches comedy. Um, and, and he, you know, there's comedians that have a lot of swearing and then there's mm. comedians, and he doesn't. He's, he observes, um, he, he observes a lot of. Yeah, observational comedy is what, comedy, yeah, that's yeah. what they call what he does, yeah. And then there again, you know, a lot of our coaching or the way I coach and I'm sure many people do is, is observation as well, isn't it? You know, you you have a plan and then you sit back and you observe the session and, and did it work and all of that. Um, you're reading athletes when they come in of a morning or an afternoon. Uh, you're observing um, whether their stroke starts to fall apart and then, all right, then make changes to that or it's just constant observation. So there lies another one. Yeah, you're right. Actually, you, you, you bring up a good point there. Um, comedians have to read a room. Yeah. They, they have to know, you know, we'll get to it and with some jokes and stuff like that, but they have to read a room. They have to know where the line is. They have to know whether they've got people or they need to come back or they're whatever. And and to your point, coaches and the and the very good ones and the very best ones do that the best, don't they? They, they read their athletes. They read the room. They realize, okay, we're going down the wrong path here. Let's let's pull it back, or or no, we're on a win in here. Let's let's go a bit harder. Yeah, well, you know, you can say the right thing at the wrong time, and it'll have no effect. And then mm. once it's been said, well, it's it's gone. Yep. You've wasted it. So you've got to wait for that right moment to say that important thing, and, and so you can have the best thing to say and if it falls on deaf ears it's gone um so you have to wait till that athlete is ready to hear and then you deliver that line whatever that line may be and it may be you know at a critical point in the preparation or it may be at a critical point at a swim meet you know in a big swim meet and um and and that's that's that uh, relationship between coach and athlete or coach and squad and I suppose a comedian and his audience. Mm. Um, the second thing I wrote down, uh, comedy has death. It works or it doesn't. <laughs> and I thought the same thing with coaching, um, you know, there's no two way get two ways getting around it, isn't it? You know, you can you either have a good season or you, or you don't have a good season. And um, the higher it it goes, you know, as in high performance wise, um, the more that happens. Yeah. And I remember saying to my dad when I first uh, moved to the AIS, um, he. Yeah, I've been there for a few weeks or months or something, and he said, oh, how is it? And I said, oh, well, there's nowhere to hide. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, in a club program, you've got your junior squad, you've got your intermediate squad or your, you know, your bronze squad, your silver, your gold squad, your age group program, you've got a few senior athletes. You know, you can – someone's going to go all right or you're going to lose your job. <laughs> but generally something's going to – Tick the box, you know. Yeah. The good thing about young kids, they're just growing and as long as you just keep them pointed in the right direction and they stay in the sport, they'll just keep moving forward. But at the, at the AIS, 
you had seven athletes or eight athletes and that, that's it <laughs> you know they're, they're mature people they're you know they you haven't got growth on your side they're coming towards the end of their career or they're you know 18 19 20 whatever it may be but that's it it's those seven and you've got to make them go faster and if they don't make the Australian team uh people want to know why if they don't win medals at the major people want to know why and you either keep your job or you don't keep your job depending on how they go <laughs> yeah well, I, yeah <laughs> yeah you're, you're definitely right um you know, I, I like a lot of other coaches that probably listen to this podcast probably can't uh, resonate with what you just said in terms of only having the, the you know, the short amount of athletes. I, um, what did resonate with me when you said when the youngsters do well, you, you keep your job. I've actually joked to a few of my swimmers a few times when they do PBs and they come back and they're like, oh, that was good to see you. No, well done. I can keep my job now. I won't get fired this week. And I said, well, what do you mean? So well, all the older kids aren't performing this week, but you, you guys did a good job. So, I mean, tongue in cheek, um, obviously, but uh, in terms of losing your job, but no, that's um, definitely the, the people with the pitchforks and the, and the sticks with the fire aren't chasing you out of the building. But with eight swimmers, talk to me, obviously we're talking about comedy, but I've got to ask the question, how, how is that to deal with when you've only got eight? Obviously you've had success but there's many times where, you know, it didn't quite go as planned as well. And as you said, you can't hide. Well, you know, how did you deal with that? Um, well, you have a plan at the start of the season um, and that plan is obviously to go faster. So, and then you work out all the different ways that are going to be able to help that. So that could be psychological, um, you know, uh, Training-wise, you look at the training, you know, do we increase the volume? Do we increase the intensity? Do we bring either or both back? Um, you try to eliminate injuries, um, improve strengths with the, with the athlete. And when I'm, what I mean by strengths is, you know, their stroke length or, or starts, turns, um, all of those things, you know. So you, you try to have as many uh things that you think are going to have an impact and then obviously if things don't go well you have to then with the athlete um what i would do is sit down and go through all right what worked what didn't mm. why didn't it you know was it just illness so if the athlete kept getting ill then you've got to try and work out why that happened or if the athlete kept getting injured you got to work out you know and i used to call that trying to find their break points so, um, but, yeah, you, you couldn't have two or three of them in a row. Um, and uh, uh, and the other thing at the AOS, you, you didn't have a pile of people knocking on the door trying to get in either. So, so you had to um, do the best job you could with, with what you had. Um, and that's where you hear a lot of times, at, you know, coaches say, oh, that must be easy, you only got eight swimmers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double-edged sword so um and you know there's been times where i haven't even had eight um so when i went off it went over to edinburgh i had like four my first six seven months so um and 
Um, so I certainly don't think young coaches should be trying to get into that um, arena too quickly. Mm. You, know, you want to be able to cut your teeth in the shadows uh, and certainly not in that spotlight. So. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I don't know what's happening with me today. Apologies to the listeners with all this coughing going on. I promise it's not COVID again. It's not. It's not. I don't think I can get it again, can I? I don't know. I'm not a medical expert. No, no, stuff it. What for? No, I'll, I'll be right. Um, <laughs> I'll have to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tell me after. Matter uh, told me. Um, <laughs> well, I caught up with Matter Bood. So uh, he told me something about the booster shot. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> don't don't scare he, me, though. Don't tell me if it's going to scare he's me. He's working with Gladys now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, Gladys. I miss her. I miss her. We should get her back. Oh, I miss her. I used to, she used to make me feel safe and calm when I saw her on TV. Uh, anyway, we're getting, we're getting sidetracked. You, you, what you just mentioned uh, resonated with me just about um, comedians with jokes in terms of uh, there's quite a few. Jimmy Carr is one who has quite a lot of just short punchline jokes and not all of them land mm. versus the ones who tell maybe eight. So I'm, I'm taking this back to eight um athletes as you said some of them might have eight stories or eight jokes but they've got to land because if out of eight you know four of them don't land it ends up being a pretty dodgy show jimmy carr's very funny don't get me wrong but i, I must admit if, if he throws 50 jokes at you i, I dare say not all of them are, are hilarious yeah absolutely um so and, and, and one of the things that um Jerry did say, I, you know, actually, I, I don't think I wrote it down here, um, but that was my next point was if you don't make them laugh, um, you don't make it. The swimming coaches, if you don't make them swim fast, you don't make it. Yeah. You certainly don't keep progressing forward. You might be able to go sideways uh, or you might end up in management, <laughs> but you certainly don't make it yeah. on the pool deck. Yeah, there's no hiding, is there? The spotlight's on you, and yeah, the stop the stopwatch doesn't lie. So, um, and um, the um, and getting back to the Jimmy Carr, your, your point, which reminded me of what something that Jerry Seinfeld said was, you know, I think that they said to uh, the interviewer said, oh, you know. Jerry Seinfeld, greatest comedian. And he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, there is no greatest comedian. And the longer I've coached, actually, the more I think that as well about coaching, you know. Um, just because, um, you know, with awards, and, you know, we all know you've got to have awards and stuff. And I've been, I've been a beneficiary of awards in my career, so I'm not saying you don't have them but to say who's the best you know you, you could you could have a swimmer and you've got them through a whole pile of issues you know let's just talk about one season you know and um that you know they could have they could be an older athlete and they were going through a divorce mm. 
and you got them through that and they came out and they swam well that season and they might have placed second or third in that competition. Yeah. Now, no, no one's going to give you an award for that, but you may have done a much better coaching job than the, net, the, the guy, the coach who had the, the swimmer that won. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a it's quite subjective, really. Yeah, it's, and it's like comedy itself, isn't it? Some people yeah. like this sort of comedy, other people. So when he says there is no best comedian, I actually go, hmm, yeah, yeah, he's right about that. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense too coming off the back of Tokyo and you look at the success we had and, you know, other than maybe Emma McKeon who was a dead set standout because she did something, she created history really in terms of what she achieved there. Um, but, you know, coach of the year. That was subjective on certain, you know, uh, lists. Dean Boxer won on certain lists. Um, you know, Bowley won on on certain lists. I'm sure Mooney might have got a mention because you know with the gold medals that Kaylee won. And um, you know, other than as I said, I think Emma was a standout. Um, you could, you know, obviously Ariane did well as well. But yeah, that that makes sense to that as well. Like, how do you how do you sort of say who who did better you know ariane climbed the mountain that was a seemingly un, unachievable yeah um how do you put that into context with though next to seven olympic you know seven, the medals of the medal hall of, of emma so um but one's a massive the other's a massive achievement too as you said like who, who's to say what's what's what who's getting the award yeah uh, absolutely and um yeah it's, yeah i could go on about i was i was going to bring up a boxing thing but i won't, I won't go there no <laughs> yeah we'll save that for another one bo bo boxing and and coaches well we'll save that one for for that mate i've got i do have your notes with me here and one that i i did um i, I did like the idea of but maybe not for the the idea that you know you have written it down for was young comedians versus older um, comedians. Um, what uh, what I've noticed too with comedians, some of the best comedians continue to surround themselves with younger comedians who are pushing the boundaries and pushing the limits. And maybe as they get older, you know, such a, like a Kevin Hart and those sort of guys who now maybe have a little bit more commercial constraints around them. So. Um, you know, Steve Harvey's one, for for example, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Steve Harvey, very, very funny man, and he hosts um, Family Feud over in America, and he's got his own show, but he's he's hilarious for anyone just YouTube him. He's, he's very funny, but, you know, he, he openly says quite often, I can't say the stuff that I used to say because I've got sponsors now, I've got all these things, but he's like, don't worry, I can go. If you want, if you need me to go, I can go. But they surround themselves with younger comedians to consistently, you know, sort of, you know, hone their craft and keep themselves fresh and, and, and finding new ideas. Through this podcast, through Off the Blocks, through knowing you, I'm connecting those dots with coaches as well. The best coaches continuously surround themselves, not always just with younger coaches, but with, with with people that are knowledgeable um, and it might be a younger coach coming through who's enthusiastic and pushing the limits um, 
you know, as you sort of said, I think we, I think it was a Paul Bruce question, wasn't it? Like, would you have been, been as successful if you weren't as sort of ambitious and, and hungry when you were younger? Um, you know, if you've got those sort of people coming through now, sometimes that is, that's a, you know, an icebreaker too. If you're sort of getting in a rut, if you're a coach out there, that's not in a rut, but you know what I mean? You're kind of in your groove and you're in your lane, but here comes this young, enthusiastic coach. Uh, some of them push them away, but some bring them in and, and use that enthusiasm. Would would you see those correlations as well? Yeah, I, I didn't write it down in that context. I'll tell you. How yeah, I, no, I didn't think you did. That's why I've mentioned it because then I thought, well, we're not doubling up here. Now that you can mention after it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, the when I was young, I sourced out older coaches. Mm. Um, I, I didn't linger with coaches of, of my age. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had friends, you know, but Brant Best, him and I, we socialised together uh, on weekends. He was coaching, I was coaching. Um, but I got out of my com- comfort zone and sourced out um, older coaches and, and um uh, because they just had much more experience and, and knowledge, you know, and um, so so I think that's important. Now, some older coaches, you know, weren't an open book and some were, you know, and you quickly work that out mm. um, because some older coaches uh, would have seen me as, you know, a young upstart, um, you know, and wanted me be put in my box you know <laughs> so, but I was fortunate to be a, there was plenty of good guys that were were not like that you know mm. um and that's where when, when they when Jerry and Eddie Murphy were talking and they they mentioned you know the the young comedian versus the older comedian and um the story they they Oh, and, and I really like both of these comedians, you know, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. So Richard Pryor was around before Eddie and then Eddie Murphy came on. I think Eddie Murphy and Jerry Seinfeld started on the very same night at the comedy club and, yeah. um, and but had two completely different roads, you know, yeah. um, in their career um, but started in the same place and, you know, uh, Jerry was saying how Eddie Murphy just it's just like a fire um, or a hurricane. He, his career just took off so quickly. And I think, you know, he did Delirious as a 22-year-old, you know. Um, uh, and Richard Pryor was, saw him as, um, you know, the young guy coming up and didn't like, this is what they said, you know. I yeah, know. no, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. He wasn't a huge. Threatened by him. Yeah, yeah, was threatened by Eddie. Now Eddie loved Richard Pryor, yeah. <laughs> but and and didn't really know that Richard Pryor, <laughs> you know, so had those feelings. So. It's funny um, just thinking about that. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, hopefully you're a lover of comedy as well. And and these stories are resonating with you, and you understand these comedians and. If you haven't listened, if you haven't watched, do yourself a favor and watch the Richard Pryor um, special. It is on Netflix because Shannon tipped me off. Because I've known about Richard Pryor for a long time, and he is pretty much 
most comedians when they say who you know who influenced you as a comedian more often than not you know whether they're white black asian female it doesn't really matter a lot of them have richard Pryor there as, as an influence yeah. um and I, I must admit watching his special i saw a lot of eddie murphy so yeah. i can i can probably see why he was not just threatened but he probably thought oh, hang on a second this this youngster's ripping a bit of my material off not so much material for material but just in the antics and the way he spoke and the the cadence of how he did the show and i know i'm probably getting way off topic here because i am a, i do really enjoy co uh, comedy shows but um do yourself a favor and watch both if you watch richard Pryor and you watch eddie murphy it is it is very very similar do you think sometimes with coaching it's the same maybe maybe back in the old days not so much these days but maybe the older coaches you know because you guys when you were coming through and even for me like we're we're all learning from you guys so a lot of our sets are the same sets um you know a lot of we're, we're almost emulating what you guys are doing and then putting a spin on it or whatever it might be do you think maybe similar to richard uh and eddie do, do you see that well maybe more so back in the day than now um i think uh well now there's yeah there's what we've got here mm. um there's communication wise it's so many different avenues now that you didn't have before so it was a little bit harder one of my um uh abilities to be able to um liaise with all the coaches was the fact that I was having success and I was on teams you know, in my 20s. So, um, and, and, and like Brant, he just, he didn't have that, you know, and, and a lot of the coaches that were of that era or my era um, until maybe another decade later. So, um, so that was one avenue and obviously you had a, you know, a phone call, but if, if you didn't really know the person, you know, so now it's it does seem a lot more open and fluid you know um and there's also um you know you get the clt guys who who were that that wasn't around back then um so uh the coach leadership um, group but you know you mentioned eddie murphy was similar to richard Pryor. that's because eddie murphy looked up to richard Pryor, you know mm. so um so that's why and you're going to get that with coaches too aren't you if your mentor was you know ken woods there's going to be similarities you know or your mentor was michael bowl there's going to be those similarities so yeah no absolutely as i said do yourselves a favor uh, there's plenty of comedy specials out there these days on, on netflix especially but on youtube you can you can get many of the uh, just clips if you don't want to sit through uh, an hour of the show there's you know five minute clips another one that's hilarious shannon is um kings of comedy um with bernie mack and steve harvey and um oh, i'm trying to think of the cedric the alex uh cedric the entertainer sorry i was gonna say cedric alexander i think that's a wrestler but anyway i'm getting my uh my entertainment mixed up here but yeah that's another one that sold out that was huge that was that was really really funny um before we keep going on, let's get to one of our lists. So I've written a few different things here. Give us, and for you guys at home, while we're saying this, that you can think of your own, you can agree with us, disagree with us. Give us your top three uh, British comedians. Oh. They don't even have to be in order. Just who who do you enjoy? 
<laughs> as a kid, I used to love watching Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and who are the other? Monty Python, you know, that was good. But uh, look, of late, I probably um, uh, Michael McIntyre, when I was living in the UK, um, there was the Michael McIntyre show and, and yeah. that. So um, I hadn't heard of him prior to that. <laughs> Some of his stuff's really good. Um, and yeah, when I first started, uh, um, I think it must have been yeah late eighties. I used to go to the comedy club at um, in uh, at Brisbane there at uh, what was it Riverside? I think it was called. Just just sort of right near the um, Story Bridge, and um, uh, one of the guys I saw there, and, and then I ended up going to see some of his bigger shows where it was just him. That was um, Jim Jimmy Owen. Jim Owen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think I even took Elspeth there on the date. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, <clears throat> comedy is the way. Comedy is the way. Um, Faulty Towers, yeah, yeah. love Faulty Towers. Um, so they're probably the yeah the three off the top of my head. It's funny you say um, just a memory as, as kids. My memory as a kid. Of comedy, British comedy was Mr. Bean. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just, and 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 it was it had me laughing out loud. And he he didn't speak, like it it was just all just physical humour. And you know, just just certain ones. You know, he was at the pool and swimming, and he's jumped off the tower, and his swimmers have come off, and he's trying to find his swimmers. And then the the women's water polo team or something. Like there's just and it it was just yeah hilarious i think there's one of him trying to get out of a car park and he's in his mini and the, the thing's going up and down <laughs> he's trying to get there's just anyway yeah i i haven't watched it for a while um he even he was at the um london was it the opening games it was it was it the opening oh, ceremony when he was playing the piano yeah he he was in he was still it was still good then so as a kid um mr bean was one of my just yeah, I, I could watch that forever. But now, uh, Ricky Gervais is is hilarious, yeah. um, and his his show Afterlife. Yeah, watch that. That's that's good. Is really good. Um, some of the stuff I don't know how they get away with saying some of that stuff, but it's it's just it's, it is funny. Um, Russell Brand was always one of my favourites as well. He's a little bit um, more spiritual these days, and and he looks at things in a different way, but. He, he was always one of my favourites as well. As I said, Jimmy Carr, I, I have been and seen Jimmy Carr when he came out to Sydney. I don't know if maybe it was a while ago now, actually. It might have been seven or eight years ago, but he was really he, he was yeah. really good as well. And, again, some of the stuff he says, you know, <laughs> you have to laugh, otherwise you think, is he allowed to say that? Um, humour, I think. If I had to pick one, over, you know, America or British, I'd pick British, you know. If, uh, there, was, if there was... Yeah, you could, you could only watch British humour or American humour, you know. Um, but having said that, I do like Seinfeld and uh, um, Frasier. Mm. Like that. But yeah. Frasier's a little bit sort of, it is got a bit of Britishness in it, you know, like British style of humour. But uh, yeah. yeah. 
Mate, the other thing you've got down here, which I, I completely agree with, and obviously they've got comedians in cars getting coffee, and you know we've got this podcast. There's a thousand other swimming podcasts now where we, you know, getting coaches on, and outside of that, coaches are having coffee. Comedians and coaches tend to hang out with comedians and coaches, don't they? They don't tend to venture too far, especially once you get to, you know, the higher up levels, and when you we sort of you're at, and as you mature as a coach and uh, and as a person, I guess it, it, that's the way, you know, they always remember, um, you know, older people would tell me as I'm growing up, you know, oh, don't worry, you'll be able to count your best friends on one hand when you get older. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but I can certainly see where that <laughs> comes from and, and where I'm heading. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm assuming with coaches it's the same, you know, especially if you want to be at that top level, you know, you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people who, who want to be at that top level as well. Uh, and comedians seem to be no different. Yeah, so when he said that, that resonated with me as well, and particularly, um, you know, the, the faster you get a swimmer going, the harder you, your job becomes. So you have a good season, next season's going to be harder. Mm-hmm. You have another good season, the one after that's going to be harder. So, so you ha- you end up devoting more of your thinking time to making someone swim faster and faster and surrounding yourself with like-minded people, you know. And when Jerry was saying that about comedians and stuff, I thought, well, that's pretty similar and true too because, you know, you get two coaches together talking about something like what we were doing with Stephen and and, and just keep going. Um, And uh, so, yeah. And then the other one, though, was... They were uh, uh, whether this was a bit t- tongue in cheek. They were saying, "Yeah, and you get groups of comedians hanging out together, and they think the other group of comedians are assholes." Um, and yeah, I, I, that resonated with me a little bit. You know, you, you've got the 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 coaches that are, you know, it's it's all about volume versus the coaches that it's all about intensity or <laughs> you know less is more, whatever it is. You know, yeah. So. Um, you've got your your little teams amongst your team (laughs) yeah no i have noticed that too on a few different comedy uh shows the other one i I listened to kevin hart's got a podcast called uh, comedy gold mines for anyone out there if you if you're into different podcasts um funnily enough shannon i've got two or three swimming podcasts that i produce and run i don't listen to swimming podcasts i actually listen to comedy podcast or just you know different things like that um jordan peterson is another one i, I listen to quite a yeah, bit I like, I like listening um but yeah comedy gold mines it's uh it's with um yeah kevin hart's the host and he just sits down and talks to similar to comedians in cars getting coffee but he can have a bit of fun and um and get away with a few other things that normally they probably can't get away with but um they did mention a few times on there it did come through that you know like oh you know not that group of comedians you know they think they're funny but they're not really funny and and you could just imagine that group going oh yeah those guys think they're funny but they're not really funny and it does connect as you said to coaching where you're like oh those guys you know they just you know they just smash them they just throw them smash them up and down the pool that's how they get there you know they're like, oh they they get theirs by giving out scholarships or they give theirs by <laughs> you've heard it all before on yeah, uh on anybody could have coached that person you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yes. Well, Michael Phelps uh, has openly said, hasn't he, uh, that when people say anybody could have coached Michael Phelps, he, he openly says, no, no, no. There's, there was only one man for the job because whilst he was um, obviously had uh, unlimited uh, potential and, and, you know, how good he was, um, you know, Bob Bowman was the man to guide him through yeah, so many years of success. Maybe a few coaches could have got one or two good years out of him, but Bob was able to continue to to work with him. So, yeah, yeah. we've heard that a thousand times, haven't we? Oh, yeah, they're, they're, anybody could have coached them. Yeah, it's quite disrespectful, isn't it? You know, um, and the the yeah, the longer I've coached, the the the, the sillier that statement has become. You know. Um, and I just sort of look at those people. And sometimes, you know, they're not coaches either. Sometimes they're support staff, you know, yeah. and who's, who make those comments. And I just think how naive you are and um, lack of experience you've got because uh, nothing further could be from the truth, you know. Um, and, 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 you know, there's been... People used to say that about Ian Thorpe. Anyone could have coached him. You know, it's just not true. So um, the – and like I say, it's just disrespectful. And it's not understanding how um, how many layers there is to coaching but also just dealing the relationship with an athlete and a coach, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Well, just to relate it back to our topic today, it's just, it's like saying, you know, this is a funny joke. It'd be funny for anybody to say it. Well, yeah. if you watch Eddie Murphy's specials, I guarantee you anybody else that gets up and does those jokes, yeah. it's probably not going to work. No, that's right. It's just so, not going to work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's like writing a set. Someone wants to know the set you did with such and such, so you, you give it to them. Oh, that thing didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can see how i you know in listening to uh jerry articulate uh you know the detail behind delivering lines and just comedy itself and all that you know it started to hmm <laughs> you know yeah. and it's the same with coaching you know it's a bit like when i read that article in asker and um, uh, I think Eddie Reese said, oh, coaching's one of the most difficult jobs in the world, you know. I thought, come on, you know. <laughs> but then you start to, you know, there is a lot of layers to it. And while I wouldn't say it's the most difficult, um, it's certainly not um, easy. Yeah. You tend to have to be switched on a lot more than a lot of other jobs, don't you? I know I've got a... A mate who um, I won't mention him or out him on the podcast, but he was a coach who coached at the very top level, who's um, just recently just having a break from it, and he's doing something uh, way outside of that, just managing something. And uh, and he said, yeah, when he finishes work, he gets in the car, he goes home, he looks at his phone, he doesn't have messages or text or phone calls or emails saying, what are we doing this? The planning isn't as there as much. He wakes up the next day, he goes in, he does his job, he goes home. And it, it did make me think about our job is, is quite constant in that way that 
And especially, and I can imagine um, for you guys at more of a, a higher performance level, because now it's more individual as well. So if you've got your eight swimmers, you know, two or three of them might be doing okay. One's not well. So, okay, how are they feeling today? This guy's got that rehab or whatever it is. Checking on him, how did he? And it, it's a lot of thought that goes into all of those different things. And we haven't even got to the training part of it yet. Yeah. Someone such and such is, you know, um, not sure they want to swim on. or Yeah, there's so many things, isn't it? You know, the dog died. Um, and the dog died three weeks before the major comp. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just life, and you got to deal with it and try and get someone to be able to perform at the highest level. So it's it's complex. Yeah, no, it is. It's constant. Um, and then you you know you start to think. Well, hang on a second, I didn't even check if it's, I think it's my wife's birthday tomorrow, and then you think, oh shit, then I I didn't even I didn't get bread. Yeah. I've thought about everybody else's life today and I didn't get bread. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it is constant like that. So, um, you know, I did get jealous for a moment that he, he has that sort of um, simplicity in his life. And I mean that respectfully because, you know, he's enjoying his life now and he doesn't have to worry too much about all these other things. He does miss the coaching aspect, the, the competitive nature of sort of what we do. But um yeah, those constant messages and, and phone calls and emails are certainly not being missed at the moment. So, um, yeah, it, it is constant. And I'm assuming, especially for comedians coming up that want success, it would be constant. I can't imagine them ever just kind of sitting around not doing much. You've heard stories, haven't you, of like a Chris Rock who, when he was first coming up, would, you know, go to so many different comedy clubs a night. Yeah. And just and bounce around or you know or or he they didn't even get on so he'd go at seven at p.m or whatever and they'd be like you know we if we have a spot we'll throw you on and he'd wait till like 2 30 a.m and and jump on so you can imagine you know wh what's going on in their head so i could imagine coming up if you want to be successful as a comedian it'd be pretty um you know relentless yeah well and when i started coaching um I'd have three jobs, and which was very much the, the norm mm. um, back in the early 90s. And um, because basically people said, oh, well, you, you won't be able to make a living out of coaching. Yeah. Now, at the time that they said that, that was correct. But, you know, so I'd have three jobs. It was sometimes you were physically working 70-hour weeks. And uh, we, when you get to the weekend, you'd just sleep. And and I was just so into it. I, I couldn't wait when Saturday morning finished. I couldn't wait for Monday morning to start. I just wanted the weekend to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't have any girlfriends. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's and at, at those at, at those times, you know, there was a lot of chat in the early nineties and that about yeah. How many coaches were just divorced multiple times? Yep. We talk about Donnie, you know, three wives. Yeah. All called Jan, but um, which is quite clever, really. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, but clever. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. And again, you know, this is what the show is about comedians and coaches drawing parallels with comedians. You hear quite a lot of comedians 
um, male comedians um, having multiple wives over their over their career because yeah, they're so driven. I can I can assume that funny you know haha only gets you so far and then then they start become that's not even funny i could just imagine that's not even funny so um i used to find don funny yeah yeah like listening to just the way he would speak and you know it was just i just used to make me laugh so i'm not sure too many other people did but (laughs) quite funny remember one day and he was talking about it a uh, good coach had a very fast swimmer, <laughs> and he said he just said, "Ah, oh, that guy, he couldn't coach a bull to hoof." <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bull strikes the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, he used to have some good life. <laughs> Funny. I don't know if it was his mannerisms or just this, yeah, the way he used to talk about things. <laughs> I like that one. Um, <clears throat> the one I heard was, uh, so Dick Kane, I did a little bit of work with Dick Kane uh, at Cars Park maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, he had uh, Kazimir Boscovich and a couple of other good young um, young swimmers coming through. And uh, anyway, I did a bit of work with him there. And, yeah, we were talking about a coach. I can't remember who it was, but he said, oh, that, they couldn't coach a pig to be dirty. And I thought, I like that because like, <laughs> that's – Surely that's not hard to teach a pig to be dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was he was good. Um, and and I think a lot of the the funny humour from those older coaches, especially from Dick, some of the stuff I, I won't repeat on here, um, was because it was stuff that you're like, oh, you can't say that. But like a comedian, it's it's so on the line of what's acceptable and not mm. that. You know, it's it kind of is funny. I mean, it's probably, as I said, it's not something I'd repeat on here, but yeah, it gives you a chuckle. Well, yeah, and Don, he'd talk about stuff, and it was funny because it was true. You know, he was just saying it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the way he'd sort of he'd say it. Um, Ken Woods was he was funny. He always had a joke, um, and, and again, you know, if you you try to repeat one of Ken's jokes, you know, and Everyone's just looking at you and you think, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, it's all in the delivery. It's all in the delivery. Um, The next one, mate, what about your top three US comedians? Have you you got a, well, I mean, who are your top, let's just say? Have you got a top? Uh, Oh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, and then, uh, yeah, I'd say Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, there's heaps, isn't there? Um, I'm a big uh, Chris Rock fan, and it depends if you go back. You can go further in, as I said, Steve Harvey. Bernie Mac was very funny for anyone who wants to. Uh, he's passed away now, but uh, if anyone wants to YouTube Bernie Mac, he was, he was yeah, not politically the most correct, but some of the stuff, yeah, they even the comedians say now, some of the stuff he would say, like, you know, you can't make jokes about that today, but... Um, yeah, Bernie Mac was hilarious. I used to like Everyone Loves Raymond as well, oh, yeah. um, Ray Romano, which is interesting because Ray Romano's jokes probably are more funny to me now that I'm a, a parent and, yeah. and a husband because a lot of his comedy was around, um, you know, being married with kids and stuff. Well, it's timing, uh, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Where you are in your life and stuff. I, you know, one of the funniest movies I ever saw um, was Vacation. Mm-hmm. With uh, uh, Chevy Chase, and um, and because 
the it was a disaster and that was basically our holidays were disasters like that you know <laughs> so our whole family would just be in tears because we could relate to it so much you know yeah and uh <laughs> um so yeah the other one I, I I haven't watched a lot of Bill Murray movies and stuff like that, oh, but yeah. I know I know there's a lot of Bill Murray fans and they find him very, you know, there's different thing. I had a joke the other day about how someone came up once and asked him for a photo and he said, if I push you, and they were, they were next to a pond or something, he said, if I push you in that pond, if I could push you in there, I'll give you a photo. And then she said, oh, and then he just pushed her in the pond and walked away. <laughs> So he, he was a bit of an odd character, but uh, but he's a, he's a, he, he, you know a lot of people uh, find him funny too. And before we finish up, mate, because we'll wrap it up soon. What about Aussie comedians? I know you said Jamoen for British. I, I know he's he's you know he's probably an honorary Aussie. Really, he's been over here. I don't know if he lived here or, um, but I used to see him more here than I did over overseas. But. Do you have any? I might lead us off with just a few. Dave Hughes is a funny man. Yeah. Um, I really liked him. Um, actually, she's not. She's actually um, a New Zealander, but Ursula Carlyle's very funny. Um, she's You'll see her pop up on a lot of different shows. I think she's on The Masked Singer as well, but she, she's really, um, she's, a, she's a very funny chick. Um, there's a few every now and then that, that pop up, but, yeah, Dave Hughes was always, obviously, Carl Barron's another one um but yeah. i found his stuff to get quite a little bit repetitive so it was funny when i first heard it but then as it kind of just got repeated it got less funny but he was very back in the day on the footy show that was yeah he was almost top comedian in australia at that stage yeah australia's got some good com comedians um yeah as i said i used to go to the comedy club at um wasn't riverside what was it called anyway if you're in Brisbane, you know where it is. It's um, uh, just down near the Story Bridge there. And um, so this was the 90s. And um, have you ever heard of Shane Bourne? Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he used to be on um, Hey Hey It's Saturday. And um, I, and we, there was some really good comedians there and stuff. But I said if he was on, I'd always go and, and uh, um listen to him and I took a girl one night and we ended up in the front row which never wanted to be in the no, front row. No, you don't want to be in the front row. Anyways, <laughs> he, he, he nailed me one night because um, we're sitting there and um, he uh, he must have wanted a handbag and he's he's looked over at us and he said, oh, excuse me, miss, can I have your handbag? Anyway, I, I moved. And he goes, oh, have you got one too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could just imagine you. You would have wanted to shrink into a hole or something. Oh no, I didn't yeah. even want to sit here in the first place. And, and now he's now he's got me. And you know, with comedians, once they get you, yeah. if they like you, yeah. and they'll and that up. got a joke, they'll come back to you yeah. quite a few times. I've I've seen a few of those. Yeah, so um, he brought that around, I think, two more times over the next yeah. <laughs> uh, uh Hamish Blake uh, is another funny one. I don't know if he does really stand-up comedy, but Hamish and Andy, they're, they're really funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. I remember, so Shane Bourne hosted, I didn't really know him back 
um, too far back, but he hosted um, Thank God You're Here. Did you ever watch that show, Thank God You're Here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like improv comedy, so that you know you just get a comedian. They open the door. They don't know what they're walking into, and then you're in a scene, and they just say, "Thank God you're here," and everyone else is acting, but they've just got to go along with it. And he hosted that, and I found that that show really, really funny. But um, yeah, no, Australia does have a lot of good comedians, um, and you know, hopefully now that COVID's sort of over, we can get back out and and yeah. start to watch it because the, the comedy shows are very good. Yeah. especially as coaches and and i would recommend this um to to try and get out to one or two either a comedy show or a concert every now and then or just something to because as we've mentioned mate our job can be pretty all-consuming we need a laugh every now and then yeah absolutely big fan all right well listen we'll wrap this uh, episode up and i did mention at the uh, beginning of the show we would talk about what was coming up um, and we did. I've done a little bit of planning. We've talked a bit about. Uh, don't promise the world. No, 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 no. Don't worry. I won't. They're gonna. I'll stick to. I'll stick to what I'm confident in. Um, so we we are going to be talking about uh, sprint freestyle coming up in the future. Um, as I said, we wanted to do things a little bit differently this year, so we wanted to add some stroke correction and stuff like that in for the. Uh, for the people who listen, um, for, you know, heavy duty professional development, sometimes, uh, mate, you know, there might be, you know, we might mention something in that breaststroke uh, episode we did that might have touched base for somebody and they might have gone back and uh, had a look at it in their own training sessions and, and made some adjustments. So we're going to do that. Um, we're also going to look at, um, I think it was a 2001 world champs as well in Fukuoka. I put that down. We're going to have a look at at some point in the future we are going to get to 2002 com games however we have discussed it being probably being a little bit more topical um you know in a couple of more months time when the when the com games aren't that far away so we we are going to keep that one under our belt um we also we we are lining up an interview possibly with mr david marsh i know he's interested and he's keen, Shannon. He is keen to have a chat with you. We just got to do these bloody time zones and all this shit. It's a, it's, it's such a pain. I'm just glad you don't live in Queensland or I don't live in Queensland because then it would have added another layer to it. But uh, yeah, Mr. David Marsh is keen to come on for a chat, which I'm excited for as well. And we've got some other special guests. Um, we've got another episode called Slay Your Dragon we're going to do coming up. I'm not going to give that away. Make of that topic what you will off the top of your head. <laughs> See if you can work out what we're going to talk about. And then um, when we start the episode, you'll realize how wrong you actually were. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, at least we've got a directive now, Shannon. We're, we've got a heading. We've, got, we've done a bit of planning. So are you excited for those episodes? nervously excited <laughs> <laughs> oh no mate look i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to you and david marsh um having a chat and just you know catching up and obviously but then you know matching set for set or what you know thought process theories and programming and all that sort of stuff and i think people get a lot of um you know information out of out of those sort of episodes but i also like taking a step back i love when we look back on um episodes i think i wouldn't mind looking at 2006 um, melbourne com games there's a few others anyway 
Anyway, I don't want to bore you guys with with the planning, but there is a lot coming. I wanted to make sure I let people know there is stuff coming because I think the last few made it sounded like we we're just making shit up as we went. But I wanted to assure people we we are not. Hey, we're coaches. We're very well planned, and uh, we, we've got it. I've got a I've got a spreadsheet. I've got an Excel sheet. God damn it. <laughs> Oh, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, for everybody out there for joining us again this week, thank you very much. Hopefully you got something out of again today. Um, if not, you know, just for a bit of um, comedic relief and thinking about your own favourite comedians and maybe this will make you go home tonight and chuck on Netflix and watch Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy or Jerry Seinfeld or watch comedians in cars getting coffee because they're all really good as well, all of those episodes. Um, and if nothing else, yeah, again, it gave you food for thought, made you think about it. Perhaps, Shannon, when we talked about coffees with coaches and all that stuff, people are thinking, actually, I haven't had a coffee with, uh, uh, you know, one of my other coaches for a while. I'm going to reach out and do that. So if, if at all we've done that, um, we've done our job today. So thanks for joining us again to all the listeners. We'll see you next week. Shannon, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, Robbie. Just one thing. Uh, yeah, if you want me. to watch uh, comedians in cars getting coffee, mm. uh, try and find the Alec Baldwin. There's two of them. Um, and he's very, very funny, actually. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, his impersonations, just the way his mannerisms and stuff, they're both very good uh, episodes. And there's, you know, obviously there's plenty of different comedians. Mm. But if you're sort of wanting to just, uh, test the water. Both uh, the Alec Baldwin ones are excellent, and they only go for what 20, 15 to twenty minutes, something like that. So, yeah, not long. You find yourself in a rabbit hole once you watch a couple of them. It just starts going. You know, next minute you're watching this one. Next minute, well, watch Jim Carrey. Jim, we didn't mention him today. He's he's very um sort of in the sort of maybe the Mr. Bean-esque. He's, he's very much sort of more physical with his comedy, yeah. um, Jim Carrey, but he was he was good on that show as well. There's heaps. Yeah, yeah. Once you, once you get started, you end up watching heaps and then your partner just starts going, well, we're watching this again. I don't want to watch this anymore. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes Alicia would prefer I was watching football. She's like, why are we, why are we watching this again? I'm like, it's funny. It's funny. Sometimes I just need a laugh. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, there's plenty of comedies uh, on, on YouTube, guys, for, to, to click on and have a look at. So we'll see you all next week. Uh, and until then, have a great weekend and, uh, yeah, enjoy. All the best, everyone. Thanks.